Thank you very much. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 2. 2 Timothy, chapter number 2 this morning. Thank you again for being here today. Um, today we are continuing our series entitled The Journey. The adventure begins now, and uh, we're looking at uh, different metaphors throughout the Word of God. And uh, we've uh, covered salt and light, and today we're going to cover the idea of being a student. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, as we look at today's passage of Scripture. Our typical idea of a student is one who goes to school, but the truth is learning should not stop with graduation. We all should continue to be students uh, our entire lives. You know, when we talk about learning, my dad always told me, he said, you're going to learn something new all the time. And uh, I'm learning that more and more. You know, things change, life changes, and, and, and different encounters come in your life, and so you're constantly learning. And, and you know, that's the great thing about God, is, is we have the Word of God, and we have the Bible, and every time we open it, if we really seek God, He will teach us something new, something that can be applicable in our lives. In the sunset years of his life, the Apostle Paul requested uh, Timothy to come to him in prison and bring the books, but especially the part. We find that in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 13. And we find that, that Paul really wanted to continue to study. He wanted to continue to, to learn. Although Paul was mature in his faith and had been used by God to write much of the New Testament, he still felt the need to continue learning. And can I tell you that in every aspect of our life, every area of our life, it is a continual learning process. I remember the day, the very first day, uh, June the 6th, 2002, uh, at about 2 o'clock in the 140 in the afternoon when that doctor handed me that baby for the very first time and I looked at him and he looked at me and he started crying and I started crying and I thought what now because in just about 48 hours this child is coming home with me and now I've got to figure out how to do this father thing and how to be a father and, and all those things. And you know what I began to do? I began to reminisce by the examples of people that I had in my life. Right? Some were good examples, some not so great examples. And I began to, to think in a whole new light of how to learn to do that. And then he turned 13. That's a whole nother learning process, amen? And, uh, and, and some of you, you've had children that have just graduated from high school. It's a whole nother learning process. And uh, some of you now have uh, a, a daughter-in-law or a son-in-law, and some of you have grandchildren. And uh, it's a whole nother learning process. Can I tell you something today? That our Christian life is exactly and should be just like our life. Our Christian life should not begin and end at the moment that we are saved. Our Christian life should be a growing process. It should be a constant learning. We should be constantly wanting to absor absorb the Word of God. And by the way, that happens more than just in your seat at church. That happens in your everyday walk of life. God specifically commands us to study. My life verse in college was in the book of Ecclesiastes. It said, much study is weariness of the flesh. 
And uh, we, we, we wearied into the wee hours of the morning. But you know what? God wants us to study. If we are to obey God and remain students for life, we must understand what we should study. If you have your Bibles, just one verse today. Stand with me. Uh, and you find that uh, here in 1 Timothy chapter number 2. Uh, first, or sorry, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse number 15. The Bible says this. What's the very first word? Study. Study. To show thyself, what's the next word? Approved. You see that? Study to show thyself approved. And then he says, approved unto God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. What are we doing? A workman that needeth not to be what? Ashamed. You know when we find ourselves in shame sometimes? is when somebody asks us something that we don't know. Right? We all like to always have the answers. We like to always be able to give the answers. And if we can, sometimes if we can't give the answers, we get a little bit ashamed about that. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. And then it's important. He put this in there. What's the next word? Rightly dividing the word of truth. Not making up an answer. Right? Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of of truth. Let's say our prayer. Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word and the few moments that we have together. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes uh, on the back of your bulletin or last week's bulletin, whichever one you have, uh, is the outline for today. Number one, student principles. Student principles. How, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to study? What are some of the principles that are supposed to be applied in our life? Every Christian should be a student of the principles of the Word of God. Uh, the purpose in studying God's principles is twofold. We're to study God's Word to change and to grow. To change and to grow. God wants to conform us, Romans chapter number 12, to his image of, of Christ, which requires us to change. And he also wants us to grow in spiritual maturity. He wants us to change into his image and grow into spiritual maturity. There can be no genuine growth without interchange. There, did you hear that? Are you listening this morning? There can be no genuine growth without interchange. We have to decide to change what God wants us to change. We see an excellent example of the growth process uh, outlined in the life of Ezra, the scribe. The Bible says in Ezra chapter 7 and verse number 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to what? Seek the law of the Lord. That was the first thing he did. And then the second thing he said, and to do it. Not only to seek it out, but to do it. And then thirdly, to teach. I love when, when the Lord gives us the three-point outline. He just laid it out for us. To seek the law of the Lord, to do it, and then to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Let's examine those for just a moment. Ezra followed a three-phase three process. To seek, to do, and to teach. First of all, to seek. To seek, uh, we spent uh, uh, several days with our young people uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the things that we talked about was the will of God. And I told them that when we talk about the will of God for our lives, the will of God is not an Easter egg hunt. God didn't hide His will from you. 
The, the problem that many people have is that God gives you his will and you hide from it. Right? People will come and they'll say, Pastor, I don't know what God's will for my life is. And I'll say to them, well, what do you feel like God wants you to do? And they'll say, well, God, I think God wants me to do this, but I'm not qualified. Or I don't think I can do this, Pastor. Uh, maybe, maybe something over here. Listen, when we really seek God, he will show us exactly what we are to do and how to do it. We begin by seeking God's word. For we cannot effectively obey and teach the Bible until we first know it in a real and personal way. We must allow God's word to penetrate our hearts. And I really want you to get this. We need God's word to penetrate our hearts and thus permeate our lives. He penetrates our hearts and then he permeates our lives. In other words, it hits us right in our hearts. And then once change begins and we begin to seek him, it then becomes everything about us. He penetrates our hearts and permeates our lives. I love Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I, what's the next word? Hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The quality of our lives, listen to me, the quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our hearts. The quality of our lives is determined by the quality of our hearts. And that is why we need to hide God's word in our hearts. Out of the abundance of the what? The heart, the mouth speaketh. What's inside will eventually come out. And that is why it's so important that our hearts, the quality of our hearts is in order with what God would have. We must not waste the opportunities we have to learn the word of God. Rather, we must seek it while we have it so abundantly available. Listen, I I believe with all my heart, based upon everything that I'm seeing, and I'm not trying to alert you or alarm you, but I think that our freedoms are being taken away from us without us even realizing it. And I'm telling you right now that even more today than ever before, we need to become more diligent about learning the Word of God. We need to become more diligent about reading it and memorizing it and applying it to our lives while it is so abundantly available because it may not always be as abundantly available as it is today. Listen, we need to write it on our hearts. Secondly, not only to seek, but secondly, to do. Ezra said, I, I, I seek the Lord, and now not only am I going to seek him, but I'm going to put it into action. Ezra did not stop with seeking the word of God. He also obeyed it. James 1.22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. What does that mean, pastor? You know, sometimes, and I was sharing this also with our youth, sometimes we give verses and I'm probably guilty of this on a weekly basis. We, we say a verse, just like this. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. And everybody's like, amen, that's a great verse. But if we went around the room and I said, how many of you know what it means? How many of you really can, can say, you know what that means? I believe we'd probably get four or five, maybe six answers. And maybe some of you would be spot on. But others of you would just look at this and say, well, that means that I'm supposed to do it. And I'm not supposed to only listen to it. And I would say, you're right. But the next phrase here is very important. Deceiving your own selves. You know, many of us, if we're not careful, can deceive ourselves into think we're actually doing when we're not actually doing anything at all. 
well, I'm coming to church. And, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm faithful at that. And I, so I'm doing and, and I'm, I'm listening and I'm, 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 maybe I'm even reading my Bible every once. Listen, the Bible says that we are to be doers of the word. The last time I checked, God gave us 66 books to put us into action. We need to follow the directive that God has given to us. Listen, this is, this, the word of God that we have is not an optional book that he's given to us as Christians. This is our guidebook. This is our life book. This is what we are supposed to be doing. Don't deceive yourselves. Christians, it's not enough to simply know the Bible. We must live it. Jesus told a story. This is a, a great application here about two brothers who were told to go work in their father's vineyard in Matthew chapter 21. The first son initially refused to go. He said, Father, I'm not going to work. But afterward, he repented and he went. The second son obediently answered, I go, sir. However, he never went. So the question therein lies, which one of these boys did the will of his father? The one who just talked about it or the one who actually did it? You see, many people talk about it, but they never actually do anything about it. I'm going to give you an analogy some of you are going to think this is silly, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. I was told a story about three frogs who sat on a log, and two decided to jump off. How many were left? Let me let that sink in for a moment. Three frogs sat on a log, two decided to jump off. How many are left? Some of you are saying, there's one left, Pastor. Some of you are saying, well, there's none of them left. Some of you are saying... Well, I'm not sure how many are left. Some of you are saying, what is he talking about? (laughs) Three frogs on a log. Two decided to jump off. How many are left? There are three left because they only decided. They never did it. You see, that's exactly where many Christians find themselves. They listen to a sermon and they say, I'm going to decide to do it. But then they go home and they forget about what God's done in their life and they never put it into action. Don't be just hearers of the word, but be doers. It wasn't the words that counted, it was the actions. We need to make sure that we are not only seeking the word of God, but we're doing it and carrying it out in our daily lives. And then lastly, to teach. To teach. Seeking and obeying God's word motivates us to teach it to others. What a joy it is to pass on the blessings we are receiving from continuing our spiritual growth. I I heard a pastor one time, his theme for his church, and I thought it was great. He said, our our job is to pass on our faith to the next generation. And you know what? That is so true. You know what that takes? That takes you seeking, you doing, and then you teaching. It is passing our faith on. To the next generation. Second Chronicles chapter 34. Great story. Records the, uh, records the account of King Josiah. Who repaired the previously neglected temple of God. The repairman found the word of God. While they were working in the temple. And when he brought it to King Josiah. King Josiah realized how greatly God's people had failed to live by God's law. So what did he do? He began to teach it to them personally. As a re- result God sent a great revival in Josiah's time that had continuing efforts 
during Josiah's entire life. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 33, and Josiah took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertain to the children of Israel and made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord, the God of their fathers. Listen, that's the type of leaders that we need today. People that will stand up, teach the word of God, so that people will follow them and they will continue to follow the Lord. The revival began with a man who found the word of God, decided to live by it, and then taught it to others. If we will also surrender ourselves to teach the word of God to others, God can do wonderful things in their lives. Listen, whenever God does something in your life, don't hold it in. Go share it with somebody else. Tell somebody else about it because they may need it at that moment. They may need to be encouraged. Number two, we're to be a student of people. And I'm going to be hurry here. Uh, a student of people. You know, when we talk about the idea of being a student of the Word of God, God also puts people in our lives that can make an impact on us and with us. The diligent student learns all he can from whomever he can. God brings people into our lives so that we can learn from them. From some people we learn what we ought to do, as I mentioned a few moments ago. And from others we learn what we ought not to do. One of the greatest uh, men in my life was my grandfather. My grandfather is in heaven now. And he taught me so many things. He was someone that even now in my life, I call him my hero. And I want to take the things that he's taught me and pass them down to my children. So that they'll be able to pass them down to their children. And there's so many people in our lives that have that moment and that impact that we need to take and resolve from and thank God that he's placed them in our lives. First of all, people from the past. People from the past. There are people in our past that God has put in our lives. And, and, and even back when we talk about, not even in our own lives, we talk about historically. Rich lessons can be learned in the corridors of history. When we find a life well lived, we should strive to incorporate it into our lives. The principle from the person's life which honor Christ and God, and God is blessed. Undoubtedly, God has given us many details about Bible characters for that purpose. That we look to them as our examples and in a sense our tutors and teachers. He gave us Gideon. And in Gideon, life teaches that through God we can overcome seemingly insurmountable adversity. <laughs> how am I, I going to defeat the army? Just take a few pictures. It'll be okay. Unsurmountable adversities. He gave us Jonah and teaches us that nothing is too hard for the Lord. But Lord, that, that, that country will never turn to you. And I'm going to run from you as a matter of fact. And God is going to put you overboard into the belly of a big fish. What a place to get right with God. You ever felt like you were in the belly of the big fish? Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Moses experienced as a child in the ark of the bulrushes in the Nile River teaches that God will never leave us and that he watches over us no matter how desperate the situation may be. But, uh, 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 Pharaoh's killing all the babies. Put him in the bulrushes. Huh. That worked out. 
Pharaoh said, have that lady take care of that baby. Who is that lady? Oh, it's Moses' mother. God will never leave us. Hosea, example, teaches us that we can forgive. Regardless of how badly we've been wronged. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. She, she literally ran out on her husband. And what did God tell Hosea to do? God told Hosea, go get her. Go get her. Yes, go get her. Bring her back. Forgive her. And love her. Oh, pastor, pastor, pastor. You don't understand. I can't forgive this person in my life. I can't forgive that person in my life. You don't know what they've done to me. You know what God says? God says, may I remind you that it was once a time in your life that you needed ultimate forgiveness of salvation. And you know what I did? I went to the cross. There's nothing that someone can do to you that is outside of the realm of forgiveness through Christ. Paul's life teaches us that God can use anyone in a great way, regardless of their what? Past. You remember Saul? He was on his way to kill Christians. He was on the road, and Jesus showed up. The Shekinah glory showed up. And got his attention, changed his name to Paul, and became, if not, one of the greatest missionaries that ever walked the face of this earth. Don't tell me God can't use me because of something that's happened in my past. God can use me. Oh, Nicodemus, he teaches us that no matter our social standing, we still must be born again. Remember Nicodemus? Came to Jesus by night. Joseph's life teaches us that no matter how dark the night, God will never leave us nor forsake us. Where's Joseph? He's in the pit. Fast forward. Where's Joseph? He's in prison. Fast forward. Where's Joseph? His brothers are bowing down to him. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. Ruth's life teaches that there's a kinsman redeemer. Go glean in the fields, Ruth. Matter of fact, Ruth, why don't you go glean in that field right over there? Boaz, who, who is that gleaning in the fields? Hey, hey, don't just leave the leftovers for her. Make sure she has enough. Somebody, somebody go tell me who that is there. She's quite beautiful. The kinsman, redeemer. Oh, pastor, pastor, you don't know where I'm at in my life and how discouraged I am. Maybe you need to ask God which field you need to start gleaning in. Because he will be there right on time. Maybe strive in our lives to learn from people that God has outlined for us in his word. I've got to hurry. People from the present. People from the present, not only people from our past, but people from the present. Greatness, and, and, and I love this thought, greatness is often unnoticed in its own generation. 
Greatness is often unnoticed in its own generation. A wise student will strive to learn from those around him. A benefit of learning from our contemporaries is that we can more closely observe their lives and receive direct mentoring. Uh, Hebrews 13, 7, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their uh, conversation. We are to follow the faith of our spiritual leaders today. The word follow literally means to imitate or to mimic. Now don't, don't take that uh, out of context. Con- uh, conversation is an old English word that means manner of life or conduct, behavior. This verse teaches them that we need to pattern our lives after the lives of godly leaders. But I want you to know something. We are not to worship our spiritual leaders. I, I want you to make sure you, you really get that. We are not to worship our spiritual leaders. There, there is no one that you listen to, that you read, that, that, that you take into account in your life that we should ever worship. There's only one person that we should worship, and that's God himself. However, God has, has put men or, or women into our lives that are very wise and smart and, and, and have, have a, a great spiritual leadership. It's okay to follow them and imitate them as long as they follow and imitate the Lord. So what have you learned from your spiritual leaders? Daniel's sterling character was noticed to those around him. Those who sought to find fault in him realized they could only create it by outlawing the prayer that Daniel lived daily. People who watched Daniel's life, believers and unbelievers, were given a godly example. Even while Daniel was still alive, he was ranked with such heroes as Noah and Job. Number three, and I'll be done. You're to be a student of the person of God. And today, that's what Father's Day is all about. It is emulating the Father. Being a student of the person of God. God himself is our primary teacher. When we learn God's attributes and allow God to make us more like himself, we can more clearly and fully show him to a lost and dying world. First of all, the attributes of God the Father. And I'm going to be quick. The attributes of God the Father. What are the attributes of God the Father? God's attributes include those that belong uniquely to God. And the fact that he's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything. Let me say it one more time. He knows He knows everything. He's omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Everything in my life happens because of the power of God. Not only is he all-knowing, not only is he all-powerful, but he's omnipresent, which means that he is always there. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He's there. Those are attributes that belong uniquely to God. God also possesses attributes that he specifically instructs us to reflect through our lives. You may want to write some of these down if you'd like. Uh, first of all, our God is love. First John chapter 4, number 8. So we should also be loving. Are you listening to me? Our God is love, so we should also be loving. Not only that, our God is just, so we should be just. Realizing the difference between right and wrong. Our God is not only just, our God forgives. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, so we should forgive. Our God is faithful, so we should be faithful. Faithful to the house of God, faithful to to, uh, uh, reading and, and studying the word of God. 
faithful to our mates, faithful to our families, faithful to our workplaces. A person of trust and faithful. Our God is holy. Be holy, for I am holy. So we should strive to be holy. What a great example we have to follow as we strive to be more like Christ. Not only that, the attributes of God the Son. We saw God the Father, now God the Son. What does he do? We talk about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus Christ was the one and only God-man, and he is our chief example. 1 Peter chapter 2, for even hereunto we are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us a what? Example that we should follow his steps. The life of our Lord Jesus Christ, unlike any other man, provides a flawless example for us to follow. And God's purpose for us is to conform us to his image. Let us see the attributes of God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many names, and each of them describe his attributes. But among many of his names, my favorite is, he's the comforter. He's the comforter. I'm going to, I don't want to be disrespectful to the Lord Jesus Christ in any way. But I, I really like to bring things down to where we can really understand them. When I was growing up, my pastor, a great man of God, he would get up and he would preach sermons. And one of the things that I remember him talking about often was is that the Holy Spirit of God was our comforter. And he would talk about that God comforts us in times of need. And God is there. He, he, he helps us in, in, in our most difficult hour. And he would put his arm around you as you would cry and weep. And he'd put your, his arms around you and he'd say, May the great comforter wrap around you and, and just help you. There was one night... Several years ago, but I woke up in the middle of the night and things were very uneasy in my life. I didn't know what would happen next. And I got out of my bed and I went and sat in the recliner. And I opened my Bible and I just started praying and thinking. And the Lord began to work with me. And he began to show me verses about the Holy Spirit of God being the comforter. And as I sat there, I began to get cold. It was cold in the house. And I got up and I walked over and we always had a little basket and it had comforters in it. Blankets. I grabbed one and I went back to my recliner and I sat down and I put it on myself. And I like the covers to go way up here. I'm just trying to be real with you this morning. And I took those covers and I got them up really tight next to me and I laid down in that recliner and I got my Bible and I set it on top of that blanket and I just started reading and it was talking about the comforter. And all of a sudden I started getting warmer. And I started getting comfortable and I fell asleep when I woke up there was the verse and I began to realize for the first time in my life 
that God is not a comforter in the fact that he's just there at my greatest time of need. He is there all the time, wrapped like a blanket all the way around me to protect me, to help me, to comfort me every day of my life. He is the comforter. John chapter 16 and verse number 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. We could study our entire lifetimes and never scratch the surface of discovering God's infinite goodness and greatness. Yet the more we study him, the better we will know him and be like him. Study is not confined to a classroom or a time period. God wants us to be continually learning and growing our entire life. God has provided us with many things to study. The principles of his word, the lives of people, and his own attributes. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?